to The Happy Writer, a podcast that aims to help readers find more books to enjoy and to help authors find more joy in their writing. I am your host, Marissa Meyer. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you guys are continuing to stay healthy and safe uh, and finding lots of ways to stay connected with the people you care about, even during your ongoing time in isolation. Uh, one thing that is making me happy today uh, is that I just learned um, about an hour before starting this recording that Y'all West, the Y'all West Festival, has rebranded themselves this year as the Y'all Stay Home Festival, which I think is so cute and clever. Um, it is happening this weekend. If you're not familiar, Y'all West is a, a young adult uh, and middle grade book festival that happens in Santa Monica, California every year. But of course, due to circumstances, they cannot uh, go forward as they usually would. And so now they're doing an all virtual event. Um, and I love Y'all West and I love the people who run it. Uh, and now you don't have to travel to California to be a part of it, which I think is, you know, really cool and making the best of a terrible situation. So definitely check them out. I am not one of the presenting authors this year, but there's a really great roster and I'm super excited to see what they do with it. Um, so you can go on yallwest.com to read all about the, the virtual panels and all of the uh, cool online events that they're putting together. And, you know, continue to support those authors and support book festivals and we'll all just be as supportive as we can. Um, yeah, so that is happening this weekend, April 25th and 26th. Okay, what else am I happy about today? Uh, of course, talking to today's guest. Uh, she is the author of the Storm Siren Trilogy, the science fiction duology, uh, The Evaporation of Sophie Snow, and Reclaiming Shiloh Snow, and her newest book, the YA fantasy standalone, To Best the Boys. She has also devoted a lot of her career to helping other authors, uh, which seems like a really great fit uh, to have someone on this podcast. Uh, plus, she's just a really lovely person, and I can't wait to talk to her. So please welcome Mary Weber. Ah, thank you. Okay, so the first thing I just have to get off my chest right off the bat is, um, so I've been listening. <laughs> You're to already your hijacking my podcast. I am. I've been I've been listening to your podcast for a couple weeks now, and I'm loving it. But I listen to it on um, like like fast speed, so it's double time. And so every time I turn it on, I love your podcast voice. It sounds like at that speed and your laugh, it sounds like bubbles from Powerpuff Girls, and it's kind of my new favorite thing ever. <laughs> So, so there you oh, go. <laughs> okay. I have to Do you remember that show? The old cartoon. Oh Power yeah. Girls. So that's yeah. Funny. That was, my daughters were so into that for years. So that's what like, I'll, I'll turn it on and I'm automatically thinking like, Oh, the happy writer bubbles. Yay. And your brain computes things at that speed. Yeah. It, <laughs> you know what? Um, for some reason on yours, it doesn't, there's a few of them or for yours, it does, but there's a few of them where it doesn't. And I'm like, Whoa, I got to slow this way down. So, um, I think I, your voice is very relaxing or something. I don't okay. know what it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's glad. Just I'm glad that that worked out for you. Um, I remember I was on a, a book tour a while back with Jessica Brody, um, who also has been on this podcast 
And she listens to audiobooks at twice the speed or 1.5 the speed or something. I don't know. Um, and so, and I, when she told me that, I thought, well, that's so smart. Cause then you could listen to so many more of them. Um, and of course we're all trying to always trying to figure out how do I read more books, uh, and make yeah. more time for that. And I tried it and was just like, no, Jessica, you're nuts. I can't. It's just like little chipmunks speaking. <laughs> <laughs> my husband, my husband does that too with any kind of podcast. Um, he listens to books on tape. He listens to classics on tape. And part of me is like, well, some of those are a little slow. Maybe that does make yeah. sense. But, um, but I can't for whatever. I get asked that a lot. Like, do you listen to audiobooks? And so far I don't. And it's because my mind wanders mm-hmm. and I will find other things to fill up my, you know, like fill up my brain with, and then I'll realize that I like am a chapter into the book and don't even remember it. So I, for whatever reason, I have to read Yeah, <laughs> only when it comes to books. Yeah, no, it really depends on the book. Um, there have definitely been some that I've, that have not worked out so well, um, depending <laughs> on, on the book itself or the narrator, you know, the narrator makes a big difference, uh, as to how, how engaged they keep you. Well, I, I, or I heard on one of your podcasts, you guys just had listened to the audiobook of Devil in the White City. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that is one of my all time favorite books. And I actually thought I should try that because that would be like, I bet that was pretty fantastic um, listening to it being narrated because that felt like such a movie to me. I think I would really enjoy it. Yeah. You know, it was, but it was, I mean, that's one of those interesting books where, you know, the, for people who haven't, um, are not familiar with The Devil in the White City. It's a, a nonfiction book um, about the Chicago World's Fair. About half of the book is talking about the actual building of the World's Fair. And then the other half is talking about this serial killer that was killing people <laughs> during the Chicago World's Fair. Um, and I It's found, a good match. Yeah, no, it's, oh, it's fascinating stuff. Um, you know, so dark and creepy, um, which is really interesting. But as far as the audiobook was concerned, the chapters about the serial killer were like, we couldn't, could not turn off our mind. I mean, it was so interesting and we were just hooked on it, but then it would go into talking about like the construction of the Ferris wheel and the planning of the trees in the parks and all of that was like, okay, I'm, I'm bored with this now. <laughs> um, that, I don't know if that would have I don't know if that was different. just audiobook though. No, I feel like that that was the experience reading it. And I think it was because I found that stuff like really fascinating, but at the same time, you're throwing that in with serial killer. And so I'm like, how can, how can the poor, you know, um, architectural chapters compete with, you know, the structural engine? It's like, I told my husband, I said, it's like reading your, you know, my husband's a structural engineer and it literally felt like I was reading one of his textbooks and then I'd be reading an awesome (laughs) novel and then a textbook and then an awesome novel. And I'm like, you just can't compete. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's true. It's not that those things weren't interesting but they were not serial killer interesting. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Few things are, let's be honest. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> I know it's the, the, you know, watching a car crash, you can't look away yes. um, no matter how awful it is. Um, okay. Yeah. So you and your books, you also write things. I do. Yes. I am. I, I am my, my son's second, second favorite author. He informed me last year, I handed him renegades and he, you know, cause he'd just been devouring everything. He's 14 and, um, he read it and he came in, I think he read it in like a day and a half and he came in as I was making dinner and he was like, well, mom, I'm sorry to tell you that you are no longer my favorite author. 
Marissa Meyer is, you know her, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah. And he goes, and it, suddenly I was cool because I knew you, and you, you know, so he said, well, but you're my second favorite author. So that's pretty good. You know, like, well, thanks. <laughs> so that's, I'm glad that I could help with the coolness, but oh sorry gosh. about, you know, bumping you down. <laughs> he cannot wait. He cannot wait for this fall's book. He is just for, of yours. He, you know, he's just like, like, okay, when, when's it going to be fall? Is it coming oh, out? That's yet? funny. Well, thank you. Tell him I said, hi, does he I read your books? Um, he does. Yes. He, um, they're a little, you know, like the first series he was pretty young and Mm -hmm. he was like me eating horses. This is amazing. (laughs) And then the sci-fi series, um, was just, you know, he wasn't super interested in. And then to best the boys, um, he was like, yeah, okay. You know, like he, he, he's funny. He loves them, but it's like, he wants to know about a book before he goes into it. Like, what are the things that are going to weird me out? What are, what am I going to like? He's, he's like super thoughtful about them. So he can tell me it's like, I was actually surprised I was on his list of favorite authors because he never seems super impressed, <laughs> but apparently, you know, that's just his handling things. So yeah. So, yay. Yeah. Well, that's good. I, you know, my girls obviously are way too young to read, um, my books yet, but I'm so curious to see when the time comes if they will want to, and if they'll like them or, you know, is it, Oh, those are just mom's books. Like we're yeah. not interested in those. Um, yeah. So I'm, I, I like hearing from other authors who have teenagers uh, and hearing how is that working out for you? Yeah. I think that that has been mainly my experience, which is like, Oh yeah, my mom writes. And then, you know, like they'll be in school or something. And like, it's happened a couple of times now where some of their friends are like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm reading the best author right now. It's her name's Mary Weber. And this is her book. And my daughters will be like, Oh, that's my mom. And they won't believe them, you know? And they're oh, like, no, funny. that's my mom. And um, suddenly my daughters will be like, Hey, people know who you are. You know? Thanks for that. Yeah. So to best the boys is your most recent novel. Yeah. Um, yes. and I, I loved it. I thought it was so good. Aww. So, you know, very fast paced, you know, fantasy read the main character is so cool. Um, but I, you tell us about it. You, you give us your pitch. What is Tibet always about? <laughs> well, um, it is about a girl who, um, she, her name is Ren and she desperately wants to be a scientist in, um, I said it kind of like a Victorian-esque, um, you know, late 1800s world where, um, and Mr. Holm is um, the, you know, kind of, I don't want to say mad scientist in it, but he is, I based him on Tesla, the inventor. And the idea that, you know, at that time period, people, so much of in, um, like electricity and inventions, they would feel like magic to people. And so I um, based it kind of with that kind of setting in mind. And so uh, at, at the same time, also during that setting was in time frame, you know, women certainly weren't allowed to vote, let alone really obtain college educations and things like that. And so um, I just, I wanted to to put it in that time frame, but address um, current issues that I see even today. And when I wrote it, you know, my daughter, um, one of my daughters was encountering, it was very shocking in some ways, um, just the level of chauvinism she was encountering in some of her college classes from her professors. And then my sister um, was in the process of just getting her a biochemistry degree and stuff. And so just seeing what they were running into. And so, um, you know, Ren, the main girl in the story, she, she wants to be a scientist in a world where women are, you know, trained to be housewives and 
stay-at-home moms and um, she, uh, you know, and men get to go to college, they get the educations. And so she uh, decides that she wants to go to college. Of course, they're all male universities. And so she decides um, to don this disguise and enter this all-male competition to um, see if she can win the scholarship to attend an all-male university. And so Mr. Holm is the one who is the secretive, you know, kind of like the Willy Wonka of the story, who Mm -hmm. puts on this uh, labyrinth competition every year and um, offers a scholarship every year to those who, to, to the person that wins. And so it's, you know, he uses some magic and he uses some of his inventions. And it's this, you know, just kind of, as you read, intricate uh, labyrinth where they have to survive these different contests. So it was a lot of fun. It, um, I re- that was probably my favorite book to write. I wrote it in, I think, three and a half months. Um, I was on a super tight deadline with it. And um, like from idea to finish, it was three and a half months. I didn't have it. And in fact, I'd been on the phone with my editors because I'd pitched them multiple ideas for the next book and that I was under contract for. And, and they kept saying, no, no, you know, n- that's not quite right. And so when we when we came up with this idea, you know, and I, well, you know, when I pitched them this idea, they went, yes. So it was like, okay, now I have to, I have three and a half months, write it quick. So it was, it was a lot of fun, but that's also partly why it's fast paced. I would have loved to develop the world more. And you, you are like the queen of world building and I just love your books for that. And so um, that was, I would say probably my one regret was I wanted to spend more time developing the world, but. Um, oh, that's you know, so but, interesting that you say that. Cause I felt like the world was really well developed. Um, oh, but I guess, well, I mean, from the reader's perspective and the writer's perspective is always going to be different as the writer. You always know, you know, where you could have pushed things. Whereas yeah, the reader we're always a little more critical of our work. Yeah. <laughs> I, sure. I feel like we, I feel like we could be the best one stars of our own work ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, we're huge critics. We are, yeah. we are terrible to our, our own work. Um, okay, so I have to ask, because one of the first things that you and I bonded over was our mutual love of David Bowie. <laughs> um, and I have to know, how much did Labyrinth, the movie, play into this desire to create a book surrounding <laughs> Labyrinth? <laughs> Huge. I can remember, I, gosh, I don't, I was probably nine years old when I saw Labyrinth for the first time. And, um, I here, we're just, I'm going to date myself real quickly. Um, but it was, I just remember it was like nothing I'd seen, you know, and it was Mm -hmm. like, what, what is this? And of course I fell in love with David Bowie and I've, you know, like, I'm like, Oh, China girl and heroes and space oddity. And, and, um, I just, so with that in mind, uh, going into it, I, um, I, I referenced that back to that movie a lot and just, um, just, you know, like even just the, um, I want to say the feeling that I walked away from that movie with, you know, I was like, I wanted to have that, just that, that feeling that you walk away from a really fun, crazy, good movie or adventure or experience. And you want to relive that and you want to pass that on to others. And so absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I think of that a lot with my, when I'm writing, like it's, not necessarily that you're trying to recapture, um, you know, a previously told story or like, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to necessarily write another goblin king steals a child mm-hmm. story, but just that feeling like this, this left an impression in my imagination that I want mm-hmm. to carry forward. Um, yeah, I see it as a compliment. You know, it's like, I don't want to recreate something, but I want to recreate that 
that feeling, you know, and I want to, in doing so, give a compliment to a gift that they gave me, you know, at that time of being nine years old and watching that, it was a gift to be a part of that world. And so, of course, I want to, you know, you and I both, you know, writers, that's what we do. We want to pass that on to other people. Yeah, hugely. No, I think that's something that I think about a lot. Like what are, what are the, the big emotions that I'm trying Mm -hmm. to, to draw forth from the readers here? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing I can't, can't help but notice in, in this time of coronavirus, uh, <laughs> um, that there's, you know, a deadly disease sweeping throughout, um, this world into best the boys. And you obviously wrote it years ago, long before any of this came about or was on the horizon. Um, or is that something that you find readers are talking about now? Like this, fictional stories and these plagues. Um, but now we're seeing that in the real world. And like, how are you feeling about all of that? Uh, you know, I do. I, I have been surprised how much I've been tagged in posts or comments about that. Like, oh, this is sadly kind of like Mary's story. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Don't blame me for this. Um, but yeah, you know, and I think some of it is because when I was writing it, um, you know, my my daughter was taking her classes that um, she was running into stuff with were sadly some of the health classes and creativity classes. And then my sister with her biochem degree. And so some of it was um, just based upon, you know, not just on the, I would say, um, women power or women empowerment or, um, that Mm -hmm. kind of side of things, but they were, it was also based upon just the practicality of the way that, um, you know, chemistry and, um, diseases and things like that. Um, you know, the science side of how things work and how things do take over and just, um, some of it was influenced too, you know, that a few years before I wrote it, um, you know, my, we had walked through the journey of my mom having cancer and, um, you know, that whole process. And so with that in mind, you know, it was very much like, I think just very fresh in my mind that, how much we wrestle with in the world, how much we've conquered, but at the same time, how much we still have not conquered and how much we still, you know, is, are these active illnesses or issues going on diseases and, um, that, you know, that they get loose or maybe they've already been loose and we, we have to deal with, um, you know, what we're doing right now today with the coronavirus. It's like, they're scrambling to find a cure. They're scrambling to find the vaccine, you know, and they're scrambling to figure out how to keep it contained. And so, um, you know, I, that's sadly, it's the reality of it. Yeah. And I think, you know, reading books in a lot of ways, of course, books are an escape. Um, but I know personally, I can also find a lot of comfort in seeing fictionalized versions of the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and seeing how, you know, these other characters are able to tackle these situations, uh, with bravery and with grace. Um, and, and one thing that I love about to best the boys is that you do have this female character who, I mean, she is such an underdog, um, in every way, but she is so motivated, uh, in a lot of ways by this disease, um, because she wants to find a cure. She wants to find a solution. Um, so she was a really empowering character. My hope in writing her was really, you know, this is this book I specifically wrote for my daughters and for my mom. Um, but I think I also wrote it for, you know, who I was as a young girl and the book that I would have been, um, you know, would have sparked and ignited something in me. And so, um, but yeah, it was, I think the idea of, you know, especially in our 
you know, cultural environment today, while in some ways women are more empowered than they've been through history um, to a certain extent at the same time, there's still a ways to go. And, you know, even especially in the educational field. And um, I just, I, so I wanted to, to give my daughter something, you know, for them to go, yeah, you know, that, that's me. I can, I can connect with that. And not that I wouldn't say that they're, you know, underprivileged or things like that, but just in the sense of, um, you know, just, just in knowing who they are and being true to who they are and pursuing things, whether they seem possible or not. Yeah. Yeah. I know some of my personal favorite reader interactions over the years have been, you know, young girls who, you know, read Cinder and were inspired to go into mechanics or Mm. read Crest and were inspired to go into, you know, IT fields. Um, uh, you know, and I've had girls come up and tell me that they want to go into, you know, space exploration and bioengineering and just like so many fascinating things. Um, and that, you know, something about my books or my characters influenced that decision or inspired them to pursue it, which is a really fulfilling thing for an author. Do you get readers coming to you and having that same sort of conversation? I, well, first of all, I can totally see them doing that with your books because I feel the same. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm 42 years old and I want to join the space program after, <laughs> after reading Cress, you know, um, I want to marry a werewolf after reading Scarlet. Hello. Right, the true so, dream. So, I know. <laughs> so I get that too. Life goals. But, um, yes, I do. You know, I, and it's kind of run the gamut. Um, with, uh, I think with the Storm Siren trilogy, the majority of, uh, letters I got, um, you know, besides just the, you know, I loved your book. Thank you so much. Mm. I got a, for me, I was very surprised at the number of letters I got that specifically had to do with, um, anxiety and self-harm and things like that. And, you know, when I wrote it, I was working, um, with, as a youth counselor. And so I, for years, and so I had, um, written it for, many of the girls that I worked with who, um, had, you know, struggled with self-harm and, um, also wrote it from the perspective of someone with an anxiety disorder. And it's interesting because some of the reviews that I would get on it, people were probably didn't, the people who didn't have anxiety disorders would say, you know, I hate the fact that in the book, she always is repetitive or she counts in her head, you know, and, um, that didn't make sense to them. And yet it was amazing how many emails I would get from people that would say, oh my gosh, that counting thing, I do that every single day, multiple times a day. Thank you for, you know, thank you for talking about someone with an anxiety disorder because, you know, and having to overcome not just, you know, not just the external issues going on around her to become, you know, a more powerful person in this series, but she had to, the biggest as I think in any good story and it is accurate for, you know, real life, who we are as people is having to overcome, um, you know, those obstacles within ourselves, um, to be brave enough to, you know, look inside ourselves and to become the people that I think, you know, we were made to be that we, that we want to be. And, and so, yeah, with that, with, um, the sci-fi series, um, that one was kind of interesting because the evaporation of Sophie Snow, I, you know, there, there's a subtle, uh, aspect in those books that has to do with human trafficking. And, um, so, and I, I don't feel like it's, you know, traumatizing really for the reader. I've never even heard that kind of feedback, but, um, but it's just an undercurrent in there. The idea of, you know, you're captured by aliens and you're being used for other things. Obviously that is a form Mm -hmm. of human trafficking, but it, it surprised me when I started getting emails from readers, from men and women who said, you know, um, I was human trafficked as a child and I read your, 
you know, or as a teen and I read this series and I cried the whole way through and, you know, like that, that to me was probably the most humbling thing I've experienced in my writing because it was like, I didn't even know what to do with that. You know, you just go, oh my gosh, can I hold your hand? (laughs) You know, and just that level of bravery is like nothing you could ever write in a book. And so, um, that was, I think it was more impacting to me than any, anything just because that wasn't what I was expecting. It wasn't, you know, even remotely on the lines that I was expecting. And so that, that was incredible. And those people for even reaching out to talk about it were so brave. And so, um, and then what's to best the boys? Um, yes, I've gotten a lot. Um, I especially get notes from girls who want to be scientists or who, um, are already, you know, they're biochemists. I get a lot from biochemists and they're, you know, they, they feel excited about that. I also, um, or from, I know, get notes from people. The girl Ren is dyslexic in the book because my mom is dyslexic and some of my other family members are. And, um, so I get notes from people about that too, just saying, you know, I love seeing what she could be, you know, what I could be in the midst of, you know, having dyslexia. And so, yeah, sorry. That was like, you know, the two hour answer for your question. No, I love it though. I mean, I know for me personally, when I'm writing, I can't think about what, where this book is going to go when it goes out to the world and who is mm-hmm. going to read it and what are the, the larger influences that are going to happen from this story and these characters. Uh, and so it's, it's a constantly a huge surprise uh, to hear from readers who have these very deep emotional connections to the the story and these stories that I never would have thought like, wow, my book really impacted this person or Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a surprise. You just, you can't imagine, you know, the effect that it's going to have out in the world. And, and it's so honoring. I mean, the fact that somebody would pick up your book and read it, let alone then want to interact with you about it. And then on top of that, you know, um, share something that, you know, so intimate to them, um, whether it's you've, you know, you've made my dreams bigger or, you know, or this has helped to make my dreams bigger. Or, you know, I got an email this week and it was from a girl who just, you know, said like, I hated, it was a teen girl. And she just said, I've hated reading. And I picked up Storm Siren, you know, which has been out since what, 2014. And, but she said, and I just fell in love with books, you know, and, um, you know, and you just kind of go, Oh, like, what? you know, that, that's an honor. Yeah, no, it is. Um, and it, it kind of is a reminder to, you know, why we're doing this and why we love, mm-hmm. why we love telling these stories. Um, and part of what makes our work important and so fulfilling. Um, I think it makes it, I think it makes it helpful too, because, you know, sometimes some of the, our books can be dark, you know, I mean, I feel yes. like that they're like you were talking about, even like the, um, the disease aspect of to best the boys and the coronavirus here. I mean, here's the, the reality is, is that life, I always say life is a dark fairy tale. You know, it's the, ultimately it is a fairy tale. And I believe that we do have happy endings, but it can be, you know, the Valley trying to get, get to that part. And we learn a lot along the way, but I think that, um, you know, they, they are that reflection of the hardships in life. Often, obviously that's what we're writing out of sometimes even. And, um, I think it's a gift then to be able to, um, also in the midst of that, be able to write it with hope though. And I think that when we get those responses back from readers, it makes it, you know, that much more like, yeah, cause some of that's, you know, some of those, some of those nights writing our stories, there's aspects of them that are hard and are, are dark. And so it's, it's so rewarding to go, oh, you know, that meant some, something to somebody. Mm-hmm. Every dark story also has beautiful things in it. Um, and yes. seeing you know, the, the characters grow and the hero 
triumph uh, and all of that. So it's almost like the, the dark aspects um, make the bright aspects even brighter. I totally agree. And I also love and resent the authors that do that to me. (laughs) You just traumatized my world for like three days. (laughs) Book hangover. Yeah, but but I'm better Uh, now, so it's fine. (laughs) um, So since To Best the Boys came out, it's been a couple of years. When did it come out? It came out, oh, last March. So a, about a year and a month. It, it feels like forever though, man. <laughs> Especially this coronavirus thing. I'm like, how long have we sheltered at home? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It does feel like time is just stretching on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I must have had an arc because I'm pretty sure oh, you I did it before. Um, yeah. So you actually probably did get it about two years. It feels like I read it a long time ago. Yeah. You're right. Um, and since then, you've been on a bit of a sabbatical. Yeah, I took um, the last year off, not on purpose, actually kind of forced. Um, You know, the end, um, let's see, November of 2018, um, when my oldest daughter got very, very severely ill and she was sick for um, about eight months. And I mean, her, she's pretty much recovered from it now, but we, um, it took a lot, it took about eight months to figure out what was actually wrong health-wise with her. And so um, I had, you know, been working, um, writing full time, and then you, you doing youth counseling full time as well. And so I basically just stopped both of those immediately. And um, as we were on this journey of trying to figure out, um, just you know, her her health crisis, and um, so. Um, other than obviously doing book launch, you know, the stuff you have to do, like mm-hmm. doing book launch and things like that. But I just stopped writing and everything. And so, um, and that was through about, I think, June. And then when we finally started getting um, some answers on some stuff with her and then, um, but it was, you know, constant doctor's appointments and things like that. And um, she, um, and she's doing much great now. But then right after that, um, once we were getting answers for her, all of a sudden my health crashed. And so, and I know you and I, you had invited me to go on, um, on a writer's retreat that August, I think. And I was so devastated because it was like, I kept thinking my health will get better. My health will get better. And instead, um, it crashed so bad that I had to cancel comic con, which I was going to with like, you know, Mary Pearson and AG Howard. And, and, um, I had to cancel that trip. And then I had to cancel my trip to come with you and Jessica Brody and a bunch of other ladies. And so I was so devastated about that, but yeah, my health just, it was like, um, we couldn't figure out what was wrong with my health. And, um, we, you know, I was, did the whole process again, but it was me going to doctors for myself. And, um, it was, it was a really, it was the worst year of our lives. Honestly, it was awful. And, um, eventually they figured out that, um, we had some specialists out to our house and they ran some specialist tests on me and they figured out that one of the things going on besides my body crashing from the stress of worrying about our daughter was also that um, there was like toxic mold in our house. Oh my gosh. It was like the weirdest thing ever. And so um, the minute that I moved out of there, we started, all of us, we started seeing improvements. And so um, it, and it was just like, who would have thought? That's why it's, it took so long because, and that eventually, you know, when I talked to my 
daughter's doctor and said, well, this is what's going on with me. And this is what they've you know, tested for. And this is what they've said. He looked at me and he goes, oh my gosh, I kept telling you we were missing a piece. That is what we were missing with your daughter. Huh. And so, um, so anyway, so it's been the journey now of just obviously recovering from that. And so like just weird, you know, but it's just life. And, um, and so that it was a forced sabbatical, but the silver lining of that has been, is I didn't realize how bad I needed just to stop working two jobs full time mm. and just to breathe and to reconnect. I think, you know, reground with myself and just life again, you know, and, um, it was like, almost like I was too busy to, you know, be able to, to, to pop my head up and really truly look around. And so it's, you know, been actually weirdly, it's been a very massive blessing and coming out of that, I feel like, um, it's, you know, created all these different or ignited all these different ideas in me and a freshness and excitement for, you know, um, new projects and things like that. And so, so yeah, so kind of a weird well, I'm one. I'm so but. sorry that you and your family had to go through that. Um, but I, I, I can't help but listening to your story and how well it parallels what we were just talking about, about, you know, these dark, dark times and then this brightness at the end of the tunnel. So I'm glad that, that you're able to kind of see and experience the silver lining and the, the, the moving on part now. Um, if you had talked to me eight months ago, I might've been like, you know, <laughs> I oh, sure. staring at it. <laughs> yeah, no, when you're in the midst hard. of something, yeah. no, absolutely. And it does kind of take that hindsight is 2020 aspect. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to get to the other side before you can really have clarity and be able to see all of the factors. Yeah. Um, I think at, I think at one point someone said to me, "It's you're kind of going through like what one of your book characters go through." <laughs> and of course, I'm like, "That is not helpful. I kill them off at the end. This is I'm not a good idea." My book characters. <laughs> so yes, yeah. So I think that segues really nicely into um, another thing that I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, your I don't know, platform, I guess, for lack of a better word, that sounds so corporate and gross, but um, like your, your social media, your persona, what you're putting out in the world, um, you have this very definitive message of self-care uh, and kindness and like embracing who you are and embracing, you know, joy, um, which is of course something that I'm really trying to uh, illuminate with this podcast as much as I can. Um, so I just wanted to talk to you about that and kind of how, how that became something that you really care about and how, how you take such beautiful Instagram photos all the time. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. And just kind of your perspective on, on, you know, what, what is your role, uh, as far as helping other writers? You know, I, I feel like if someone had asked me about your Instagram and your platform, I would have said the same thing. I would have said, <laughs> oh my gosh, she loves helping other writers and she just is all about, you know, nurturing the life that you have. And I, I would have said the same thing about you and happiness. So, so that's yeah, good. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength. <laughs> I know. Ingrid I was spirits. like, this is why you're my friend, that and David Bowie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really David Bowie. We'll always have <laughs> David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, let's see. Yeah. Well, that, that was kind of you to say, I, um, I think I just, I feel so passionate, even more so obviously now after this past year that we've been through, but I think, um, working with teens for so long, um, had a major impact with me with that of just, um, you know, that I think whether we're teens or whether we're writers and, and obviously then working with writers and in my own life, um, uh, just seeing that our society is very much built on 
um, you know, how much can we cram into one day and how much, you know, the successful are the people that are always busy, you know, and if you're going to succeed, you know, you, um, you know, this, this is the ladder you climb, I guess I would say. And, um, even with teens, it's like, you know, this is the Instagram ladder you climb, or, you know, this is success looks like, you know, X, Y, Z. And of course my daughters are both out of high school now. And, um, uh, you know, and, but I totally saw them experience that in high school of, of, of what, um, yeah, just what our culture expects. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, I just, um, I've gotten more and more to a place of where I just refuse, I refuse to do drama. You know, I don't, um, I feel like life has enough drama as it is. And, um, I don't, I don't want to be a part of, and, and I'm not trying to insult anybody who, you know, by working hard to be successful, that that's drama. I don't mean it that way. I just mean that, um, I think that, working hard is important and it's valuable, but I also think just as important and valuable is making sure that we take care of ourselves. And I think that if it's a competition to me that, um, you know, I, I don't see a point in competition. I, that's where I feel like the drama comes in is I just mm -hmm. feel like we're all in this together. We, none of us gets out of this life without dying, right? Like we all die. We, we're all on this journey together. And so, um, really the success in my opinion is being able to, um, be the relationships that we bring with us, you know, the relationships we develop along the way and the people that we become along the way. And, um, sorry, this is probably like a roundabout, very long answer, but I just, I feel really strong about that. And, um, because I think I've seen people that end up, you know, writing is a lonely profession. You and I both know that, and it, it can be a very lonely profession. And I think that, you know, I know I've seen people where they're very successful, but they have barely any friends, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and it, they're, they're lonely. And I think, how do you, who can you enjoy that success with if, if you don't, didn't have the time for, for yourself and for relationships? And so I just, yeah, I feel um, really strongly, therefore, about kindness and about um, self-care. And I think a big aspect of self-care is investing in ourselves and then investing in other people just as much as making sure that, you know, you are taking care of yourself as far as your boundaries and your relationships and your creativity. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely I agree with everything you just said. Um, and something that I really care about as well. Um, and I think that, I think that writers really do need, um, extra support in the sense that usually most of them are working, you know, another job besides writing. Um, and the writing field is a different arena, you know, in the sense of writing and marketing a lot more is expected now, you know, than it was maybe 15 years ago, or even when you and I first started for that matter. And, um, I feel like that, you know, that, um, the, the whole environment, it can be confusing because it's always changing. I mean, you know, you and I are always going, okay, what's the new marketing trend and things like that. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, that can be exhausting, um, for seasoned writers, let alone for new writers who are just coming into it. And so I feel like that that's partly just my passion too. And I see that with you is just going, okay, how can we help come alongside and go, Hey, let's do this as a team. Yeah. So if you could give one piece of advice to, to the writers who are listening um, for a, one way that they could have more self-care, what would you suggest? <laughs> and I know it's different for every author and that's kind of one of those questions like, well, you know, who are you and what do you need? But like, what's one way, you know, let me change it. What's one way that you take care of yourself? I think sometimes we, we live in a different fantasy world, you know, like as writers, we're, we're, we're living in our heads so much and we're developing different worlds. And it's sometimes 
it's easy to live on the page or on the editing page or, you know, um, on the creation page. And I think that it is massively important if you're going to write a good story to make sure that you're living a good story. And that doesn't mean, you know, that you're like off to Santorini or something and jet setting around the world. It just means that you are able to come back down and ground yourself and be present in your daily life enough to go, Hey, you know, like at the end of the day, um, you know, my practice for years and years is on my writing days at the end of the day, I shut off the computer at four o'clock or four thirty, and I will go in and I will get, you know, like a third of a glass of wine. Cause I cannot handle alcohol for my, for, you know, to save my life. So, um, I'll get like a third of a glass of red wine and I will make dinner and I will turn on music and I, you know, and it's just something about the sunlight coming in and just letting myself, you know, I'll take my shoes off and it's like just being back down to what is real in my own world, not just in my head, but what's real in my own world. And, you know, we'll play a game night with the kids a couple nights a week and just making sure that, you know, even now as they're getting older and moving out of the home, I think it's just grounding yourself in what are the aspects of your life that you enjoy right now. And if you can't find any, then you need, then that's really a sign that you need to be finding those, you know? And, um, so I, I would just say it's living life. Mm-hmm. I, th- I love hearing other writers, real tr- rituals like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I have, I have similar rituals myself, but I don't know something, even just the way that you talk about it, just, I find very soothing. Um, and it makes me want to come to your house and have a glass of wine and cook dinner with you. (laughs) Um, Well, a a post coronavirus writing retreat. There you go. I'm so there. (laughs) No, I, I, I love, I love the way that you, you talk about that and encourage, um, embracing those moments of your life. Yeah. And the the other thing I like to do is, um, I go for a bike ride or a walk every single day, no matter what. And, um, I was the happiness Institute, um, which is like a real thing, uh, released some research a couple of years ago. And they said that, um, one of the discoveries they had is that some of the happiest people on earth are those who ride bikes regularly. And I thought, isn't that interesting? But I remember, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten man, I would, we were riding our bikes down the streets all the time and that wind blowing in your hair. And so I picked that up a couple of months ago to de-stress from, you know, my past year. And I tell you what, I will not go a day without riding. Um, you know, it's like this, it's my daughter's bike, actually. It's like this yellow beach cruiser and it's so old school and so cute, but tell you what, I, I totally believe that that's true. You know, it's like just things that we would do when we were kids that we just, you know, we get too old for or forget about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't ride my bike nearly often enough, but I know exactly what you're talking about. That sense of freedom that comes with it mm-hmm. uh, is incomparable. Okay. Um, we are going to wrap up with the happy writer lightning round. Ooh, how exciting. <laughs> Yay. Um, Mary, what book makes you happy? <laughs> the Princess Bride. <laughs> oh, good choice. A classic. <laughs> it's so funny. He's like, Yes. When you read that, you know, he's talking to the reader and then he'll all of a sudden say something about his wife and then go right back into the book. I love it. Yeah. It's a quirky book. Super fun. Uh, what do you do to celebrate an accomplishment? Um, I like every writer probably, uh, clean my house. (laughs) (laughs) 
because it's, because it's always, it's dirty at the end of a, you know, deadline or something. Um, and I usually will take my family out to dinner because, you know, it's writing might be very solitary, but it means that your family doesn't sometimes see you as much. And so, um, we all go out to dinner together to celebrate so we can all celebrate as a group. And then I like to bake and I will just bake for like a week straight. And then sometimes I'll sew. I think last time I finished on a deadline, I think I sent your girls aprons that I'd sewn because I just needed a break from anything to do with writing. (laughs) Uh, How do you fill the creative well? Um, I think the, what I gave you before, which is, um, you know, just simply the making sure that I'm tuning in with my daily life and tuning in with things that make me feel alive. And I think those are different for everybody, but you know, like for me, it's that evening glass of wine, it's the warm sun on my skin, it's going for a bike ride. It's, um, you know, that little glass of wine while I make dinner and the music on. And then, you know, like a bonfire, we have a, um, you know, bonfire outside that we'll do on summer nights, you know, with our white lights in the trees and that. But probably the other thing too is now that I think about it is creating in a different medium, you know, like finding a different forum, which is why I love Instagram. You'd asked me about Instagram earlier. And um, I, first of all, like my photos aren't beautiful. The filters that I use for my photos are <laughs> And if you, I disagree. if you agree, it's a combination. <laughs> I was like, I Googled, I Googled, you know, good filters. And I was like, oh, here we go. This is great. But um, there's, there's no key to it. It's just, you know, Google is our friend. But, um, but I think being able to do photography or, or, um, you know, just anything that's creative uh, that refills me. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, where can people find you? Um, people can find me mainly on Instagram, Mary Weber author. So, um, I mean, I have a website and I have different stuff like that, but I have my, um, my main Instagram is probably where I'm most active as you know. So yep. Mary Weber author. Okay. Well, I really, really hope that people will go and follow you on Instagram um, because truly looking through your feed is, is like being wrapped up in a cozy blanket. It just, Aww, it makes it so comforting looking through your images. Man, I love this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I get so complimented. Um, that's what I'm here for, Mary. Um, okay, everyone, uh, definitely go check out, uh, Mary's Instagram and her books, uh, including her most recent to best the boys, um, thank you so much for joining me, Mary. I'm so glad you were here. Thank you for having me. This was, this was very happy. It was very fun. <laughs> cool. Um, everyone, uh, please subscribe to this podcast, uh, and let me know that you are listening. You can also follow me on Instagram. Um, although my pictures are out of, you know, not as pretty, I'll admit, um, <laughs> but I do my best and I am there at Marissa Meyer author. Um, or you can sign up for my newsletter at marissameyer.com. Until next time, I hope you guys are staying healthy. Uh, please stay cozy out in your bunkers and do your best today to try and make someone else's day a little bit brighter. <laughs>